welcome back to our series that we are calling Messy. And the first week, uh, we discussed the truth that we are all messy. We are all damaged. And more than any other place in the world, the church is the place where it is okay to not be okay. And then last week, we heard what it means to love the messy people in our lives. Uh, God calls me to look beyond the messiness of my spouse, uh, look beyond the messiness of my child, my parent, my friend, and cherish them by lifting them up in affirmation and appreciation and affection. And now today, I want to come back to my messiness, back to your messiness, and ask the question, how does God see the messes in my life. I'm talking about the mess of my failure. So uh, does the fact that I have hurt loved ones through my addiction, I've destroyed my marriage through selfishness, the fact that I've ruined my reputation through bankruptcy or something else, do these failures disqualify me from being used by God? or I'm talking about the mess of my weaknesses. I mean, I'm not just a failure, I am flawed. And I need to know, do my anxiety issues, do, uh, does my struggle with depression, uh, does my uh, struggle to control my temper disqualify me from being used by God? Or I'm also talking about the mess of my background. Uh, I have wounds from my past that uh, that make me a mess. I, I've been abandoned. I've been abused. I've been divorced. I've been physically ravaged by disease. Where is God in this mess? Or I'm also talking about the mess of my problems. Uh, on top of my failures and my flaws and my personal weaknesses, I've got problems that keep piling up in my life. I have a wayward child. I have medical bills that I can't pay. I think I just might be losing my job. Where is God in these messes that seem to come at me by just wave after wave after wave? The Bible tells me where God is in the messes of my life. Scripture reveals that God is always working to bless through my mess. In, uh, uh, in very profound ways, Scripture shows that God thrives on my messes, and God loves turning my messy story into a blessy story. Uh, God loves just turning things around uh, that look like uh, chaos into something constructive. In fact, in the Bible, it is possible to come away with the impression that sometimes for God, the messier, the blessier. Now, typically at this point, I'll ask you to turn your Bible to some sentence or two that we'll study together, but not today. Uh, Today, we're not going to look at a particular Bible verse or two. We're going to look at the whole Bible. Particularly, we're going to look at the people that are introduced in the whole Bible. And if you don't know your Bible very well, well, then maybe some of the names that we're going to talk about are going to be unfamiliar to you. But that's okay. As you continue to read Scripture, you'll be introduced to these people who are all in your Bible for a reason. All these people are introduced in the Bible with all their messy details 
Because God is answering those questions that I posed a few moments ago. Like, God, can you use me in the midst of my messy failures? And in the Bible, God answers, yes, by showing how every person he chooses in the Bible is a messy, failing person. Think about it. Noah had a drinking problem. Abraham had a child out of wedlock. Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer. Job lost his temper. Saul lost his sanity. Peter denied Jesus. Thomas doubted Jesus. The disciples abandoned Jesus. And Paul tortured those who followed Jesus before he came to Jesus himself. And this list answers the question of whether God can use me with all my failures, just like the people in this list, and just like they were a mess of mistakes, but their mistakes did not disqualify them from God using them, so God can use me and choose me despite my mistakes and failures. In fact, we saw a couple of weeks ago how Jesus foresaw how his friend Peter was going to fail him and how that biggest failure would actually become his biggest opportunity to bless other people, which just goes to show that sometimes with God, it's the messier, the blessier. But God, I'm not just a failure. I am also a flawed person. God, can you use me in the midst of my personal weaknesses? And God answers this question by the people he chooses in the Bible. God chooses people with messy weaknesses. Uh, Moses had a speech impediment. Zacchaeus had a height impediment. Miriam was a complainer. Aaron was a people pleaser. Eli was a passive dad. Rebecca was a manipulative mom. Elijah struggled with depression. Solomon struggled with sex addiction. Jacob was a liar. Martha was a workaholic. This list demonstrates how God delights in working his perfect plan through imperfect people with flaws and weaknesses just like me. Uh, in fact, the Bible shows how sometimes God goes out of his way to find the most deeply flawed people who are used by a God for his plan, which just goes to show that sometimes with God, it's the messier, the blessier. Well, God, it's good to know that you can use imperfect people, but I'm not just flawed, I'm damaged. Uh, God, you can't use me. My wounds from the past make me damaged goods, right? God says wrong. The Bible proves that God loves choosing people with messy backgrounds. Joseph was abused by his brother. Uh, brothers, Ahab was a prostitute. Job had a troubled marriage. Daniel was a refugee. Esther was an orphan. Ruth was a widow. Hosea had a cheating wife. David lost a young child in death. The Samaritan woman was divorced five times. And Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed. Just like me, the people in this list were a mess of hurts uh, from the past, but their wounds did not disqualify them from being used and chosen by God to be a part 
of his plan. In fact, it's just the opposite. Take, take Ruth, for example. Ruth has her young husband ripped from her through death, and her life seems to be over. But then it is through her trauma of becoming a widow that God introduces her to his people, where Ruth gets a chance to meet and marry a man of God, and then she gives birth within the lineage that culminates in the savior of the world. Because of Ruth's trauma, she actually had the chance to become the great-great-grandmother of Jesus himself. And what is true for Ruth is true for everybody in the Bible that has this background of trauma and hurt. Uh, it's proven over and over again how sometimes it's the worst in life where God uses it to make his best plans. And that just proves that sometimes with God, it's the messier, the blessier. And then also the Bible shows how God uses people with problems. You, you got problems? Good, because they're necessary to be a part of God's big plan. God chooses people with messy problems. Noah faced a flood. Moses faced the Red Sea. Joshua faced the walls of Jericho. David faced the giant Goliath. Daniel faced the hungry lions. Esther faced execution. Elizabeth couldn't have kids. Timothy had an ulcer. Paul had a thorn. And here's my favorite. Lazarus was dead, <laughs> all right? That's my favorite because Lazarus proves that whatever problem you have, it's not as bad as the one that Lazarus had. He was dead, all right? Uh, but it was his mess that led to his miracle. That's what we see over and over again in Scripture. God couldn't raise Lazarus to life until first Lazarus was dead as a doornail. And that's the way it is in the Bible. The people who get the biggest miracles are the people who have the biggest messes. Because with God, sometimes it's the messier, the blessier. Do you know what made the great people of the Bible great? A mess. <laughs> Each one had a mess. God had to make sure they had a mess in order for them to be great. Noah couldn't become great without a flood. David couldn't become great without a Goliath. Daniel couldn't become great without some hungry lions. And that's just the way it is. Whenever I have a problem, I do the same thing. I pray, God, take it away. Take away my problem. And sometimes out of his love, God does take away that problem. But sometimes out of God's love, he does not take away my problem. Why? Because God can see how sometimes my problem is my pathway to greatness. God can see how sometimes it's my mess that leads to my miracle. Now, here's what God is saying to you today. Here's what God does with my messes. God turns my messing story into my blessing story. What kind of blessing am I talking about? Let's, let's take a, a, a quick, quick tour of the blessings that God brings out of my messings. Well, first, God uses my mess to make me a blessing to others. This is the story of Joseph in the Bible. Joseph and his story begins with abuse. Joseph is abused physically and emotionally by his older brothers. And uh, this 
culminates in him being sold by his brothers into slavery. And then Joseph is purchased by Potiphar, who sees his trustworthiness and puts Joseph in charge of his household. Uh, Seems to be going fine. But then Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him of rape. And so now Joseph is thrown into an Egyptian prison. To this point in the story, it just seems like God abandons him at every turn. But we actually, we see that God is not letting Joseph down, but that with every turn, Joseph is being lifted up to impact more and more people and bless more and more people. And this process culminates when Joseph meets a guy in prison and blesses this guy uh, who is then released and employed by Pharaoh, the most powerful person in the ancient world. And this guy tells Pharaoh about Joseph's skills in dream interpretation. So Pharaoh calls Joseph up when he has a dream. And he's so impressed with Joseph that he makes him the vice president of the entire Egyptian empire and puts Joseph in charge of saving millions of people from starvation by preparing for a famine that Joseph predicts through Pharaoh's dream. God uses Joseph's messes to put him in a place where he can be a blessing to others. And on a small scale, I think I've experienced this in my life. Um, just one example, I, after college, I uh, went to seminary to prepare to be a pastor. Uh, but I love the academics in seminary so much that my professors strongly encouraged me to go from seminary to a top-tier school so that I could get a PhD uh, before accepting a pastor job. And my professors said, you know, you can always be a pastor uh, after you get your PhD but you'll never go back to get your PhD after you start working as a pastor. The seminary professors say, we've seen it, you know, a thousand times. It never happens. Well, that made sense to me. And so uh, I began applying to several top-tier schools. And in the process, I fell in love with the PhD program of a certain Ivy League school. And my uh, seminary professors told me that I was a lock, that they had connections, that, that I had the, uh, the right stuff to get, and I should just pack my bags for Princeton, uh, because, uh, and I couldn't wait, I just couldn't wait to get there, I was so excited about it, and my acceptance letter started rolling in, but I never got an acceptance letter from Princeton, and I was crushed, I was dejected, I was rejected, uh, and I didn't understand it because this was the only place I really wanted to go. I felt like God had left me behind. And then very soon after that rejection, I got the call uh, inviting me to apply for my dream job, which is being a pastor here at Black Rock. And suddenly I realized that if I had been accepted to Princeton, I would have accepted that opportunity and I would have been locked into a multi-year program that would have cut me off from an opportunity to be a pastor in the greatest church among the best people in the world. My messy story led to the blessing story in uh, my life. And, uh, and God used the rejection to get me to the place where he wanted me to be. How about you? I mean, honestly, how many of you can say that uh, you fell in love with this dream girl or dream guy in high school? And 
you said to God in a prayer, you said, if I can just fulfill my dream to marry this guy or this girl, God, I'll never ask you for anything else. And now, decades later, you see that guy or you see that girl and you thank God for unanswered prayer, right? <laughs> Some of God's greatest gifts some of you maybe are that uh, great on Instagram. I don't know. But uh, uh, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And it just might be that the greatest gift that God is giving you right now is not answering your prayer to remove your mess. Because your current disappointment, your current problem, your current crisis is not actually God letting you down. But it is God systematically lifting you up so that you can be a blessing to others. Lifting you up so that you could be more of a blessing than you could ever be. Next, God uses my mess to make me a better person. Uh, the Bible devotes more pages to David than any other pe person in the Bible except for Jesus. Uh, the Bible books of like First and Second Samuel describe David's experiences. But here's something really interesting. The book of Psalms are songs that David wrote that express his, well, what he's learned through his experiences. And uh, David began life tending sheep. And you can read in the Psalms how uh, David uh, learned how to trust God when lions would attack his flock and how uh, trusting God in the midst of the lions made David a better person. You can read in the Psalms how uh, those experiences gave David then the courage to uh, face a giant mess named Goliath. And you can read how this uh, led God to give him more courage and confidence and made David a better person. You can read in the Psalms how David sings about the trauma of being stalked by a madman named King Saul and how by trusting God he experienced peace that made him into a better person. Then in the Psalms you can read David's gut-wrenching repentance poured out to God after he fell into the messes of murder and adultery. And you can, you can just read how these messes made David into a deeper worshiper and a softer servant and a better person. And I think I can relate to at least one of those messes in David's life. I've shared before how after several years in ministry here at BlackRock, I became the victim of a stalker a literal stalker who terrorized me for years until she was uh, arrested uh, and jailed. But there were years of constant trauma and those nasty messes left me so wounded and so depleted that uh, I asked for and the BlackRock elders uh, gave me a, an unpaid leave of absence for two school years. And in that leave of absence, uh, three things. God did like three things. One is I, uh, I healed. Uh, two, I got that PhD that my professors said that pastors never get. And three, I asked God to use the mess to make me a better person. And, you know, two out of three ain't bad. Uh, and because <laughs> I'm not sure whether I actually became a better person or not. What I do know is that God made me a better coach. 
one of the things that brings me the most joy in uh, life and ministry right now is that I, I have an opportunity to be a coach to uh, other pastors in New England. In fact, uh, uh, one day a month, I travel up to Hartford, and about a dozen pastors take a, a whole day out of their busy schedules to come and listen to me share about what I've learned in ministry in New England. And just like I read David's experiences and I learn how to be a better person by listening to his messes, and well, these guys love listening to my wounds and my messes and my mistakes and my milestones in ministry, and they, they grow and grow churches in that process. And God wants to do the same thing in your life that he did in David's life. God wants you to learn how to trust him in the midst of your messes. And as you trust God with the lions of worry that attack you, God will fill you with a confidence that will make you a better person. As you trust God with the Goliath of family stresses and crisis points, he'll make you a more courageous, better person. And as you trust God, as you're stocked with medical issues, he'll make you a better, more peace-filled person. As I trust God with the messes of my life, God makes me a better person. All right, here's one more. Here's one more way that God makes my messing story into a blessing story. God uses my mess to bring me back to him. Jonah was God's messenger. And so uh, God said, Jonah, I've got a message uh, for you to deliver. It's a message of love uh, to people uh, called the Ninevites. Uh, Noah, or, uh, Jonah hated the Ninevites. And so Jonah decided to jump on a ship that was going in the opposite direction of where God called him to go. And when that ship got into the open ocean, God sent uh, such a violent storm that the crew was not surprised when Jonah said, uh, I'm the one. Uh, this is actually because I am running away from God and God sent this storm to bring me back uh, to him. And so Jonah said, throw me overboard. And uh, when they did, the crew was amazed to see how the sea was calmed and how Jonah disappeared uh, in the belly of a whale. And as messy as it was to travel inside a fish, it was a mess designed to bring Jonah back to God. Because under that divine direction, God had that whale swim from the point where Jonah was to the place where Jonah was supposed to be. And it may just be that the whale of a mess that you're going through right now is there to bring you back to God. Maybe the dating relationship you have right now that is going through such stormy times is there because this relationship is taking you away from God and God is bringing you back. Maybe that job crisis you have now is because that job and its nonstop work is a major distraction from the things that are truly important in your life, and God is bringing you back. Maybe you're running from God, and you don't even know it, but God knows it, and so he's bringing this mess into your life to get your attention, to bring you back into a place of dependency and love in him because God wants you back. He loves you that much. I don't know what mess you're struggling with today, but if you're God's child, I know this. I know that God is working in your mess to bless. 
I know that God uses my mess to make me a blessing to others. God uses my mess to make me a better person. God uses my mess to bring me back to God. And through the characters in the Bible, God is teaching me that God has a way of turning my biggest messes into my biggest blessings, which is why sometimes with God, it's the messier, the blessier. Charlie Mead has experienced uh, this truth firsthand, and uh, this is his uh, life story. My dad traveled quite a bit, didn't have a lot of uh, engagement in the parenting. Uh, my mother was a primary parent. She suffered from depression and oftentimes would isolate in a room. She self-medicated, so she wasn't always available. I didn't have a lot of supervision. I learned very early to meet my own needs, um, to be sneaky about doing it, um, to be duplicitous. And that duplicitous pattern went on into adulthood. And when I met Lori, she was a Christian, a new Christian. She just exposed me to a whole different environment that I hadn't seen. I met other Christians uh, that didn't seem kind of crazy and whacked out. They weren't super square and, and boring like I kind of envisioned them to be. But as I grew, I felt drawn to a sort of edge of the cliff. And God was asking me to step over, to trust in Him, to let go of the past and sort of surrender my life to Him. Each time I would get to that point and not step over, I would fall away from God. I'd find myself back um, drinking or using drugs or pursuing something that would take me away from God and be destructive to me and to my relationships. Lori was faithful. She loved me through all of that. I hurt her on many occasions by lying to her and going out and doing things that were hurtful and inappropriate. There were times I felt she could never really forgive me, but she also showed forgiveness and unconditional love. You know, God would kind of find me beaten and broken and bring me, draw me back. In 2012, my mom passed away. And I came in the fall, or in the late summer, to the grief workshop that they run here at Black Rock Church. And as people shared their ex experiences of, uh, of someone close to them dying, uh, my heart was just filled with compassion for these people. The Holy Spirit convicted me that this was my gift and this is what I needed to use. I wanted to counsel people who were struggling with end-of-life issues. But I also realized I had no training in that area. I wanted it to be uh, spiritually based. Um, so I decided to go back to school. But as I was looking at their programs, I was struck by uh, a line in their literature that said that their students practice lives of holiness. And at the time, I wasn't. I was um, sneaking around and, and drinking and using drugs and uh, looking at pornography, um, doing all things that uh, drew me away from God, that I kept hidden from my family, from my friends, from the church, uh, things that um, I felt ashamed of. Probably the most destructive aspect of that was uh, going up to the casino and gambling. And I would get go on binges and not come home. I felt I'd let God down. I felt I knew I'd let Lori down and my son. It was really devastating. I read to my son. He's 14 years old now, and I've always read to him before bedtime, almost every night. One night I was reading uh, Daniel, the book of Daniel, and we read the section about the um, Daniel's dream and the four beasts. That night I had a dream 
that I was with my son and one of his friends. I was involved in those activities that were drawing me away, those sinful activities that were drawing me away from God. And I recognized that there were four demons that were destroying me, that were seeking to destroy me. I woke up that morning so emotionally distraught and the, the images of that dream so vivid. When it all came out and my son saw me involved in this and I realized the ramifications, um, I kept saying, but I didn't know. I didn't know that this would happen. And that dream made it so clear that now I knew this is where it would go. This is where it would lead if I continued on that path. I was going to end up losing everything I cared for. In that moment, I surrendered to God. I said, God, I don't know what you have for me, but I believe in your promises. I believe in you. I'm willing to try your way, whatever it means. It's been about two years now, and uh, the old behaviors have, have fallen away. I have deeper relationships, deeper friendships, more intimate relationships with people now. Um, that are much more fulfilling, much more rewarding. I know there's a lot of people out there that struggle with trust, struggle with um, fear that they might be rejected, and that we're all broken to some degree. And to, to try and hide that and try and pretend that we're not leaves us shallow and disconnected. And that's where I was. I was trying to maintain this image of kind of having it all together and hiding all my garbage and my baggage, but it left a big gap between me and other people. To stay safe in that little cocoon is, is to not enjoy the, the fullness of life that God has for us. So that's the power of salvation and redemption and forgiveness. It's where all the promises are fulfilled, the promises of peace and love and joy. And yeah, it's pretty awesome. Charlie, uh, thank you so much for sharing your life story, but especially thank you for not pretending uh, this, uh, uh, this thing that a lot of people assume, which is I, I come to Christ and then it's straight up and to the right for the rest of my life. Uh, but you are willing to be honest about the fact that even after coming to Christ, your growth has been up and down and, uh, and that's true for all of us, but very few of us are willing to be honest about that. And what, what makes you honest? What makes you honest about that? Well, first, I, I want to thank you for this opportunity to kind of share my story. You know, when I listen to it, I'm, the feelings of shame and regret and remorse, particularly for the ways that I hurt my family, come back to me. But I love the ending. I love that even in my messiness, God didn't reject me. He met me right there and, and drew me back. To answer your question as to why I'm honest, um, well, it's biblical. First um, John, um, John recounts what Jesus taught his disciples about God. He said that God is light, and in him there is no darkness. Mm. If we claim to have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, uh, we lie, and the truth is not in us. But if we uh, walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You know, when I took that step and uh, stepped out and surrendered to God, uh, these verses convicted me, but they also point to the promises of God that I mentioned. Um, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and his, the blood of Jesus purifies us. Um, I have found that to be true. I've found that um, by walking in the light, I have more 
a closer fellowship with God, a restored fellowship, and, and with others. And I believe that God is going to bless me and will use me to bless others. As a matter of fact, he's blessed me already, and I, I really do hope that he will bless others through me. Yeah. I want to hear more about how God's kind of taken the mess and made it a blessing, but I just got to come back again to this idea that you were, you've, you're not only honest with God, which we all find relatively easy to be honest with God, but then the, being honest with the people is where we stumble. But I sense that you really feel strongly about that, and just tell me again why that is. Uh, well, I, I do. Um, you know, Pastor Larry often uh, recites that old adage that confession is good for the soul but bad for the reputation. Um, <laughs> for a long time, I worked very hard at maintaining this reputation, uh, but it was a reputation that was built at least in part on lies and duplicity. Uh, I was hiding parts of myself, and that was creating these gaps between me and others and gaps between me and God. Um, you know, Satan used those behaviors to lure me into the darkness, and then he used shame and guilt to keep me there. Um, but I felt that I really needed to walk fully in the light. Um, and it's restoring my relationship with God. It's making my relationships with other people more open, more honest, and really more fulfilling. And, you know, Jesus hates that. I mean, Satan, Satan hates that <laughs> because he has absolutely no power in the light. Yeah, yeah. So let's go to that, uh, that part about the, how the blessing comes from uh, being real about our messes. So what are some of the ways that God's changing your messy story into a blessy story? Well, he is uh, and has been blessing me uh, even in the messiness um, and those blessings are sort of like ripples on a pond. They're, they're radiating it out. Um, beginning with me, uh, he used that messiness to drive me to my knees and to finally get me to step over the line and surrender to him. Mm -hmm. um, you know, those, those times that Lori and I went through were some of the most difficult times in our marriage. But it also blessed us in that it confirmed our love for one another and our commitment to each other. It showed us that uh, our resilience could withstand the storms that life sometimes throws at us. Um, it's blessed my relationship with my son because we've been able to have very candid conversations um, about the consequences of choices. I had an opportunity to share a part of my story with a friend who was struggling because of some of the messiness in his life had, was causing a rift in his relationship with his wife. Um, and I believe that by sharing it here, um, that God will bless other people in ways that I likely will never even know. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm sure that's true for uh, hundreds of people here today, Charlie, that just your willingness to, to be real, it, it blesses those of us who, who want to follow Jesus too. And so it's already happening in an even a bigger way here. And we know that, uh, that God's calling you now into more of a counseling uh, kind of a ministry, and God's just going to use that even more as you uh, reach out and bless other people through your experience of God's love and forgiveness uh, in, in messes that we all experience. And so let's thank Charlie again for uh, sharing with us, and uh, why don't we all get a chance to stand, and uh, I'm going to ask Charlie just to stay up here in the front, and if you'd like to just uh, have a word of prayer with, uh, with Charlie, he'd be loving the opportunity to do that. So uh, let's just uh, pray. 
God, thank you for uh, the truth that uh, we've been celebrating today, and that is that uh, our messes in life do not keep us from uh, being chosen by you and used by you, and uh, that very often it's the messes in our lives that you use to be a blessing to us and through us. And so, Lord, would you make that true for us today? Send us out in a spirit of uh, honesty and of realness and a, a desire to be uh, the best that we can be by giving you uh, the messes that we experience. In your name, Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Thank you.